Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Well, we have the opening statements for the three people who will be testifying at the House Oversight Committee hearing on Wednesday, the, the 26th of July, 2023. And uh, I guess we could go over that a little bit, I thought. I thought it was pretty interesting to see what's, what they're going to say in their opening statements. Um, and uh, I guess we could start with uh, Ryan... Okay, Ryan Graves, as we all know, is he's the former F-18 pilot, and he was in the U.S. Navy uh, for over a decade. And this is some of the things he ta he talks about his uh, his background in his opening statement. But I'm going to get right to the meat of these things here, so the, uh, to the issue at hand, the UFO situation, the UAP situation. Uh, and he writes here, I can tell you that advanced UAP are a national security and an aviation safety problem. It has been more than a decade since my squadron began witnessing advanced UAP demonstrating complex maneuvers on a regular basis, and we still don't have answers. Let me just stop there for a second. I bet you there are some answers someplace. There are some place in the Pentagon that has some answers, some place in the military industrial complex that has some answers, answers that aren't being shared with everyone within the Pentagon uh, or with the people that encounter these things like Ryan Graves. So there are answers. <laughs> There's most certainly answers. Don't, don't, don't be fooled. And I'm sure that Ryan knows this. Anyway, continuing here, he says, I founded Americans for Safe Aerospace to create a center of support, research, and public education for aircrew impacted by UAP encounters. We now have nearly 500 members, 5,000 members, and are actively working with more than 30 UAP witnesses who have approached us. I am also the chair of the UAP Integration and Outreach Committee for the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, uh, where we have assembled a volunteer team of almost 80 PhDs and aerospace engineers dedicated to tackling the science around the issue. So here he gets into what, what he's going to be talking about today, uh, what he believes he's going to, the, what the center of discussion should be. Uh, and number one is, as we convene here, UAP are in our airspace, but they are grossly underreported. These sightings are not rare or isolated. They are routine. Uh, let me just stop there for a second. They are routine. Okay, that, it's, it's routine among the military as well, and it's routine as we talk about on this show all the time. It's routine amongst everyone in this country. Uh, any, everyone in this world, it's routine constantly. There are reports all the time, regular citizens seeing these things all the time, and it's not just objects, it's beings. Anyway, continuing. Military air crews and commercial pilots, trained observers whose lives depend on accurate identification are frequently witnessing these phenomena. And then number two, the stigma attached to UAP is real and powerful and challenges national security. It silences commercial pilots who fear professional repercussions, discourages witnesses, and is only compounded by recent government claims questioning the credibility of eyewitness testimony. Of course, for decades now, as we all understand, there's been a stigmatization, a deliberate stigmatization of the entire phenomenon. And uh, it needs to stop. I mean, it needs to come to an end. Like I was talking in the previous podcast, it is the people who uh, refuse to accept this reality that there is something going on here. They're, they're the ones who are crazy. I mean, there's just enough evidence at this point uh, that definitely shows that there's something here. I mean, there's just too many, too too much. There's, it's, 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 it's the pile of... of of proof i mean it's it's undeniable at this stage i mean i always say there's these there's some there's a lot of good youtube channels out there but two of them i like to point out is uh ufob and eyes on cinema and these these two sites uh they have just a 
a bunch of videos all the time on a regular basis just regular people over the decades talking about their experiences there's it's it's usually just like a lot of different segments from different documentaries and 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 things like that and if you watch this uh on a regular basis you will see i mean anyone would see that there's this is real these these people aren't lying this is not made up stuff this isn't dreams or hallucinations this, this there's something here and unfortunately we've had this stigmatization uh, program which started in the 1950s the early 1950s with the cia's uh, robertson panel which basically was put in place to uh, come up with a solution because the military at that time was sick of dealing with uh, reports from people about ufos so they they decided you know what the only thing we can do is we'll, we'll uh, stigmatize it and then this way anybody re- they'll, they'll not they'll refrain from reporting these things anymore because then they'll they don't want anyone else to think that they're crazy and and that policy started in the 50s and it still goes it's going on still today i mean you have people all over the internet still that are uh, utilizing stigmatization a lot of debunkers resort to that uh, in an effort to make uh, people who are witnesses look silly uh, and actually, in actuality, it's the other way around. It's the people who don't accept this who are the ones who are silly. And I also wanted to point out, you know, I was talking yesterday's podcast, and I should have mentioned, you know, there are people like Carl Sagan and and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, like the late Carl Sagan, you know, uh, an astronomer. I mean, this this guy, uh, real smart guy, talks about the, the uni- talked about the universe throughout his lifetime but however he just did not accept any of the evidence with re- with regard to uh extraterrestrial claims uh he just dismissed it and the same thing now we have uh someone like neil degrasse tyson basically filling those shoes and doing the same thing in this day and age and i you know i i, I think you know you need to put an asterisk by this by these guys names because i mean how do we how could anybody how could you as time goes on right at some point in the future it's going to be looked back on it and and they're going to look foolish i mean they look foolish to me right now because i already know that there's something here i know for a fact based on my own personal experiences among other things among research that i've i've done but i mean you, you need to put an I'm so, I'm so tired of hearing how great carl sagan was you know okay yeah but you know he didn't accept this and he just dismissed it out of hand he really didn't research it he his famous quote is uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence okay uh, there was some extraordinary evidence that he never looked at during his lifetime for instance uh, the 1994 aerial school incident there was some extraordinary evidence he had over 60 child, school children in uh, zimbabwe who were attending aerial school who said they saw a flying saucer land and and alien beings there some of those uh, children actually uh uh were communicate were, were communicated uh, with to by these beings telepathically so that's not uh that wasn't considered extraordinary evidence because i think it is it is extraordinary evidence and if it went to court it would hold up but again, like these people, I mean, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the same thing. They just they just fail to recognize the evidence that is right there in front of their face. The the, the testimony from tens of thousands of different people over the decades. Uh, and again, you can see a lot of these, a lot of this, a good chunk of it anyway, uh, on these channels, these YouTube channels I talked about, Eyes on Cinema and, on Cinema and UFOB. Uh, there's just a lot of different people that have come forward over the decades to talk about their experiences and yet those people still dismiss it out of hand Uh, uh, now there are some brave scientists and researchers and phds over the decades that have said you know what i think there is something to this and i'm going to investigate it for instance like the late john mack harvard uh, 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 professor 
and he and he investigated the Ariel School incident, and that's just one incident of among many. But again, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and the late Carl Sagan. I mean, why are we propping these people up like they're they're so great and smart when really they're they're dismissive of things that are right in front of our faces? Uh, and it just it bugs me. Anyway, number three uh, in his list here of the critical issues uh, that he thinks need that ryan graves believes demands our attention the attention of congress number three the government knows more about uap than shared publicly and excessive classification practices keep crucial information hidden there's a lack of transparency around uap that's unsettling since 2000 uh, since 2021 all uap videos are classified as secret or above the level of secrecy not only impedes our understanding, but fuels speculation and mistrust. Yeah, well, of course, uh, yeah, obviously, Ryan Graves is saying outright that there is things that our government knows that certain group within the Pentagon most certainly knows, as does uh, certain groups within the military-industrial complex, the weapons manufacturers. And then he goes over his experience that he had uh back in 2009 he says as a pilot i was trained to be an expert observer tasked with identifying any aircraft within our operating area in 2014 i was near virginia beach as part of a vfa 11 a navy fighter attack squadron made up of fa 18f super hornets upon an upgrade to our radar system we began to detect unknown objects in our airspace Initially dismissed as software glitches, we soon corroborated these radar tracks with infrared sensors confirming their physical presence. Over time, UAP sightings became an open secret among our aircrew. They were a common occurrence seen by most of my colleagues on radar and occasionally up close. The sightings were so frequent that they became part of daily briefs. A pivotal incident occurred during an air combat training mission in Warning Area W-72, an exclusive block of airspace 10 miles east of Virginia Beach. All traffic into the training area goes through a single GPS point at a set altitude. Just at the moment the two jets crossed the threshold, one of the pilots saw a dark gray cube inside of a clear sphere, motionless against the wind, fixed directly at the entry point. The jets, only 100 feet apart, were forced to take evasive action. They terminated the mission immediately and returned to base. Our squadron submitted a safety report, but there was no official acknowledgement of the incident and no further mechanism to report the sightings. So there you go. That was... <laughs> yeah, because you know what? They, they, well, they're they not going to say anything to these people, to these pilots, because, again, it's something that's being studied secretly. Right, it's a big secret. Yeah, they could report it all they want, and they're not—they're not going to get any response. There's not going to be any acknowledgement because the uh, the higher ups that are part of the cover up don't care what these pilots think. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anyway, continuing here. <clears throat> he says, advanced UAP defy conventional explanation. 
the UAP we encountered and tracked on mul- multiple sensors behaved in ways that surpassed our understanding and technology. The UAP could accelerate at speeds up to Mach 1, hold their position against hurricane force winds, and outlast our fighter jets operating continuously throughout the day. They did not have any visible means of lift, control surfaces, or propulsion, nothing that resembled normal aircraft with wings, flaps, or engines. I am a formally trained engineer and I have no explanation for this. Recently, I have received confirmation that these encounters were also a shock to the chain of command from one of our advisors at ASA, Rear Admiral Tim Gallaudet, former head of National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and Oceanographer of the Navy. While serving as an admiral with Fleet Forces Command, he received a classified email on Cipranet in 2015 from his boss, the operations commander, to all one- and two-star admiral subordinates. The title of the email was Urgent Safety of Flight Issue. He attached the now-famous go-fast UAP video from a Navy FA-18, asking if anyone knew their origin and expressed safety of flight concerns about multiple near-mid-air collisions with UAP in the early warning area off Virginia Beach where my encounters incurred, noting they might shut down the exercise for safety reasons. Admiral Gallaudet reviewed it with his deputy. The next day, the email was removed from his system and that of his deputy, and despite meeting with this group routinely in person, no one ever discussed it. He presumes the email was removed in connection with a classified special access program. He couldn't believe there was no discussion of an urgent safety or flight issue. He has stated publicly that after seeing the report, he didn't believe these UAP represent any known human technology. Again, let me just stop right there. It's not known human technology. Again, there's so many people out there that have seen the beings that are operating these things. These things are not human. I mean, we need to just admit it already. We need to have this admitted. We need our officials in the government to finally admit this reality. That's what we need. That's what we're. And hopefully, after this hearing, is another step in that direction. Do I think disclosure is going to happen to, on, on uh, during this hearing? No, but it's definitely a major step. Anyway, continuing here, it says. Air crews along the East Coast continued to encounter advanced UAP nearly a decade later, and the identity of these UAP remains unknown. He talks about Americans for Safe Aerospace Air Crew and Military UAP Witness Program. Recognizing the need for action and answers, I found at the Americans for Safe Aerospace, which now has nearly 5,000 members. What I did not anticipate was how many UAP military veteran and commercial aircrew witnesses would reach out to us. The organization has since become a haven for more than 30 UAP witnesses who were previously unspoken due to the absence of a safe intake process. Most do not want to speak publicly. They are afraid of professional consequences. They just want to add their account to the data set. Now, that's a, let me just stop there. That's a shame. That's a, sh- that, that's, that's a shame. That's embarrassing. I mean, you have people that encounter these things and they're afraid to talk about it. They're afraid to put their names out there publicly. And I mean, this is how it is. I mean, it's not just within the military. I mean, this is the way people are. There's a lot of people who experience these things. And I was just talking, I was... Uh, just reading a book here by Stan Gordon, who he was writing about all these different reports that uh, people have submitted. Uh, it's just regular citizens in Pennsylvania of UFO encounters. Uh, and most of the time, these people do not give their names. I mean, most people do not want their names attached to UFO encounter reports. And it's just, uh, it shouldn't be this way. It should not be this way. 
Okay, continuing here, it says commercial pilots. The majority of witnesses are commercial pilots at major, air, major airlines. Often they are veterans with decades of flying experience. Pilots are reporting UAP at altitudes that appear to be above them at 40,000 feet, potentially in low Earth orbit or in the gray zone below the Kármán line, making inexplicable maneuvers like right-hand turns and retrograde orbits or J-hooks. Sometimes these reports are recurring with numerous recent sightings north of Hawaii and the North Atlantic. What commercial pilots tell us can defy belief, often beginning with an apology like, I apologize, I realize this will, this will sound crazy. They are trained observers, often former military pilots, who say they understand Starlink flares are, and, are adam- and are adamant that this is not the explanation. And then he goes on to other domain military witnesses. Other veterans are also coming forward to us regarding UAP encounters in our airspace and oceans. Veterans from all branches of service who are authorized to come forward by the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2023, to Congress and the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or ARROW, are hesitant to do so due to stigma and a confusing process within government. Currently, there is no public-facing way for them to report their accounts. We are filling that gap. The most compelling involve observations of UAP by multiple witnesses and sensor systems with supporting documentation or a roadmap to find it. I believe these accounts are only scratching the surface and more will share their experience once it is safe to do so. In multiple cases, contemporaneous notifications were made up the chain of command and in several sensor data was escalated for analysis and there were profound irregularities in how the data was handled. Then he offers his conclusion. He says this. He says, There are credible reports from both military and commercial aircrew of unidentified objects in our military and commercial airspace occurring with regularity. The UAP task force reported in 2021 that there were 11 near misses with UAP, and I understand that number has grown. In April 2022, the FAA issued an alert to its operation managers that a commercial aircraft over West Virginia experienced a double altitude and double autopilot failure while flying under a UAP. Stigma surrounding UAP should not undermine the seriousness of this domain awareness gap. If UAP are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, it is a concern for safety of flight. And he talks about the next steps. To identify and evaluate the nature and intent of UAP, we need one, accurate reporting to a determined scope, two, empowered unbiased investigation authority, and three, a transparent process to share the findings and data publicly to be studied by scientists. Yeah, that's very important. We need to get this out to the scientists of the world, the scientists of the world who, uh, for the most part, are completely in the dark on this. I mean... Uh, outside of the ones who are secretly studying this for the government and military industrial complex, right? The rest of the scientific world is completely in the dark and has no idea uh, what we have and what we what we've discovered, uh, what we've been sitting on for decades, uh, uh, stubbornly. Uh, and then it talks about uh, commercial pilot reporting. Today, FAA regulations direct pilots to make UAP reports to civilian organizations. Commercial aircrew who witness UAP are extremely frustrated that there is no reporting system for UAP and no protections against retaliation. They are hesitant to discuss anything weird on the radio with air traffic control or in any official company form and are only more recently talking freely amongst themselves. They are afraid of professional consequences and they deserve protection. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, it, the way things are right now, the way they've been, even with commercial airline pilots, if, you're, if you say, if one pilot, say the captain says something to the co-pilot, 
and about a UFO sighting. That co-pilot might go tell somebody else on him behind his back, and next thing you know, uh, the captain's getting in trouble, you know, or <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that's been happening over there. It's totally absurd. Continuing here, it says, the absence of UAT, UAP reporting for commercial pilots creates a domain awareness gap in our airspace. If China is operating advanced UAP near Hawaii and commercial pilots are observing it routinely, today there is no way to connect these dots. And then he talks about empowered, unbiased investigation into UAP. We need to restore decades of mistrust with the public and UAP witnesses. My lived experience over the past few months has been that as stigma is pushed back and witnesses develop develop trust in the process remarkable accounts begin to emerge the all domain anomaly resolution office is supposed to serve as a central clearinghouse for the analysis of uap incidents but it must have the authority it needs to do its job and it must build trust with witnesses director dr sean kirkpatrick said in the recent nasa independent study team meeting that metallic orbs traveling up to mach 2 with no visible lifting surface or propulsion are being seen all over the world but that arrow needs access to scientifically calibrated instruments to evaluate these uap dr kirkpatrick has also indicated that eyewitness testimony and then he says something here I guess he doesn't have, this is, you have to remember too, these things that we're seeing here, these are probably incomplete, these uh, opening statements, they might be um, worked on, again, they'll work, they'll be worked on more before the hearing tomorrow, they'll be more complete, Uh, I mean, I, I, earlier I read there was one paragraph that was repeated twice, so these are just, uh, this isn't the, this isn't the final uh, opening statement uh, but we're getting something here anyway which is pretty good so he says here dr kirkpatrick has also indicated that eyewitness testimony something i guess he doesn't know what to write there yet uh, and then he goes on he says we also heard him say in testimony to congress that he only operated under title 10 authority and that additional authorities related to title 50 would help arrow execute its mission in the nasa ist public meeting he elaborated he needs access to the scientifically calibrated sensors available to the intelligence community that can characterize uap and my understanding is that he would need it to proactively investigate witness accounts however last week in his first public interview he indicated he has he has what he needs i am sure unsure why or if his statement has changed he also indicates with respect to witnesses that he believes them now I respect the challenge of the role and the obligations of a scientist to speak responsibly on this issue, but the American people want straightforward communication. Yes, we do. The American people, as an American citizen, I can tell you right now, I'm sick of the unstraight uh, forward communication. You know, we we need to have the straightforward communication. It's absolutely absurd. You know, a lot of times you hear like. Uh, when they're talking about UFOs over the decades, you know, when when you hear somebody from the Pentagon, a general stands up at a podium, starts talking about it. I mean, it doesn't. It sounds like I'm being told, fed us a story that's not true, uh, or I'm, I'm not being given all the facts with re, with regards to the the incidents. Uh, that that's what it feels like to me. I feel like I'm listening to somebody who who's acting. It's not it, it's not straightforward discussion. Uh, in fact, I remember, for, for instance, if you go back to 1997, uh, the 50th anniversary of Roswell, when they sent up some official to a podium during a news conference talking about uh, the anthropomorphic dummy uh, 
story that they came up with for that Roswell report case closed that the Air Force came up with it was totally absurd. And the guy made it like he he sounded like an idiot. Actually, he sounded like an idiot. You could tell he doesn't he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Uh, it was all made up. I mean, it's you can't believe one word these people are saying when they're talking about it, the way they they make fun of it, they make light of it, and and then the press eats it all up and walks away and doesn't investigate any further. That's that's how that works usually. But not anymore. We're seeing it's more of a serious tone now uh, these days uh, with regard to these things. Um, anyway, we're going to close that out with uh, Ryan. There's some more things that he gets into here, but uh, we're going to switch back. We're going to switch over to somebody else here. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, so the three people that are going to be talking, it's going to be Grush, Ryan Graves, and also David Fravor. We're going to look at David Fravor's opening statement, some of the things that he has to say here. Uh, it's a pretty big statement, so we'll just uh, look at the what he. I guess his experience here, uh, uh, well, on the Nimitz, and this was, of course, back in uh, 2004, and uh, of course he was a retired commander in the United States Navy, um, and he was commanding officer of a strike fighter squadron 41, the world famous Black Aces at the time and he says we had been at sea for roughly two weeks and i was scheduled to lead a 2v2 air to air training exercise my flight of two fa 18 f's was the blue air the good guys and we were being controlled by the uss princeton cg 59 keep in mind the fa 18 f's are two seat aircraft with the pilot in the front and the wso or weapon system officer in the back seat the red air was being flown by our marine fa 18 squadron vmfa 232 as we launched off the united states nimitz we checked in with the air controller on the uss princeton and we were told that training was going to be suspended for real world tasking my wingman joined up and we proceeded toward a contact in the west of our combat air patrol point I'm going to get right into his encounter with that tic-tac object here. He says, the weather of the day, the weather on the day of the incident was as close to a perfect day as you could ask. Clear skies, light winds, calm seas, no white caps on the waves. So the white water stood out in the large blue ocean. All, as all four looked down, we saw a small white tic-tac shaped object with the longitudinal axis pointing north, south and moving very abruptly over the white water. There were no rotors, no rotor wash, or any visible flight control surfaces like wings. As we started a clockwise turn to observe the object, my WSO and I decided to go down to get, a close, to get closer, and the other aircraft stayed in high cover to observe both of us and the tic-tac. We proceeded around the circle about 90 degrees from the start of our descent, and the object suddenly shifted in longitudinal axis, aligned it with my aircraft, and began to climb in a clockwise climbing turn. We continued down for another 270 degrees when we made a nose-low move to head to where the tic-tac would be when we pulled nose onto the object. So now a lot of this is, <laughs> if you're not a pilot, this sound, this this kind of this talk is is confusing, and it's conf always confusing to me. So if you're confused by it, don't worry, I'm confused by it too. Our altitude at this point was approximately 15,000 feet, with the tic-tac at about 12,000 feet. As we pulled nose onto the object at approximately half of a mile, with the object just left of our nose, it rapidly accelerated and disappeared right in front of our aircraft. Our wingman, roughly 8,000 feet above us also lost visual we immediately turned to investigate the white water only to find that it was also gone as we turned back toward our cap point roughly 60 miles east the air controller let us know that the object had reappeared on the princeton's 
Aegis Spy-1 radar at our cap point. The Tic Tac object had just traveled 60 miles in a very short period of time, less than a minute. was far superior in performance to my brand new FA-18F and did not operate with any of the known aerodynamic principles that we expect for objects that fly in our atmosphere. We returned to the Nimitz and mentioned what we had witnessed to one of my crews who were getting ready to launch. It was that crew that took the now famous approximately 90 second video that was released by the USG in 2017. What is not seen is the radar tape that showed the jamming of the APG-73 radar in the aircraft, but we do see on the targeting pod video that the object does not emit any infrared plume from a normal propulsion system that we would expect. What is shocking is that the incident was never investigated, none of my crew were ever questioned, tapes were never taken, and after a couple of days it turned to, into a great story to tell friends. Not until 2009 did Jay Stratton contact me to investigate what we observed un, well, to, uh, to investigate what we observed. Unbeknownst to all of us, Jay was part of the ATIP Anomalous Threat Identification Program led by Lou Elizondo out of the Department of Defense. I refer to the report as the unofficial official report, which is now available on the internet. And we're just going to leave it go at that uh, for now. I mean, we'll hear it all tomorrow. We'll hear it all at the hearing. And I'm sure, again, these these are not set in stone yet. Some of these uh, opening statements will be changed by tomorrow, by the time the hearing uh, happens. And then I want to go talk about the final one here. I think the one that we're, uh, I think I'm probably more interested in hearing than, than any of them is from David Grush, of course. David Grush, the whistleblower, the uh, former Air Force official. Uh, he was an, an intelligence officer for 14 years, um, and he became a whistleblower. And his testimony here, he says, is based on information I have been given by individuals with a long-standing track record of legitimacy and service to the country, many of whom also shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony. So there, I just want to stop there for a second. So, you know, people seem to forget about that part. You know, when when David when the great David Grush story first came out, they were saying, "Well, oh, he was just talking to people." But then when we got the full interview, remember that that week started, we got a couple of clips from this interview that he had with Ross Coltart, and then when the full interview came out, we saw and people after that were saying, "Well, he was just talking to people. He didn't he didn't see anything, right?" And then you hear the full interview, and he goes, "No, no, I also saw photography, official documents, and classified oral testimony." So it was a he wasn't just people people telling him stuff he was seeing documentations and 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 pictures and video and uh then he he goes on here in his opening statement it says i have taken every step i can to corroborate the evidence over, over a period of four years and to do my due diligence on the individual sharing it and it is because of these steps that i believe strongly in the importance of bringing this information before you he said he's driven by a commitment of truth and transparency rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution and protect the American people. I am asking Congress to hold our government to this standard and thoroughly investigate these claims. But as I stand here under oath now, I am speaking to the facts as I have been told them. Um, let's, let's shoot forward here. Uh, what does he say? He says, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a, of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons. I, I made the decision based on the data I collected to report this information to my superiors and multiple inspectors general and in effect become a whistleblower. As you know, I have suffered retaliation for my decision. 
but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead to a positive outcome of increased transparency. Then he provides a further closing statement. He says that it was, a, it was with a heavy heart and a determined spirit that I stand under oath before you today, having made the decision based on the data I collected and reported to provide this information to the committee. I am driven in this duty by a conviction to expose what I viewed as a grave congressional oversight issue and a potential abuse of executive branch authorities. This endeavor was not born out of malice or dissatisfaction, but from an unwavering commitment to truth and transparency, an endeavor rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution, protect the American people, and seek insights into this matter that have the potential to redefine our understanding of the world. In an era fraught with division and discord, our exploration into the UAP subject seems to resonate with an urgency and fascination that transcends political, social, and geographical boundaries. A democratic process must be adhered to when evaluating the data, and it is our collective responsibility to ensure that public involvement is encouraged and respected. Indeed, the future of our civilization and our comprehension of humanity's place on Earth and in the cosmos depends on the success of this very process. It is my hope that the revelations we unearth through investigations of the non-human reverse engineering programs I have reported will act as an ontological earth-shattering shock, a catalyst for a global reassessment of our priorities. Well, okay, ontological earth-shattering shock, yeah. Again, like I talked about in my previous uh, podcast, I, I, I don't see why we should be surprised at this. I don't, I mean, I, I'm from sitting in a position where I don't think anybody should be surprised by this. We should all have realized this a long time ago that there's something going on. I mean, if you don't know that there's something going on by this point, I don't know where, you, where you've been. I mean, your, your head's been buried in the sand. You've been like an ostrich. Uh, so I don't agree with them there, because uh, I, 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 I just don't agree with that. That should be any sort of shock. I mean, what's there to question, really? I mean, not only that, right? Who are the people that are going to be upset about this when you really think about it, right? It's going to be religious zealots. That's about it. I don't think anybody else is going to really care, right? It's going to be religious zealots who, and actually a lot of religions have already prepared for this. I mean, for instance, the Catholic Church is pretty much wishy-washy on all this kind of thing. Yeah, okay, yeah, aliens are here, okay, no big deal. That means God created them too. Okay, they'll modify things a little bit. That's about it, some of them. Some of them won't, but guess what? You look back, uh, in 1925, there was the Scopes Monkey Trial. There was some guy uh, in Tennessee, some teachers, uh, John Scopes, I think his name was, uh, and he tr- was teaching the theory of evolution in a class, and he, he was taking the court over it, you know? He got in trouble over this, so they made a big deal about it, and he actually ended up losing the case. Uh, but then the case was thrown out anyway later. But the but the issue was is that because the, there were people out there, religious nuts, who didn't want the theory of evolution taught in schools. Now, of course, after all this time, where most people accept that now the theory of evolution, but still, there's some still religious maniacs out there who are bang, you know slamming their Bibles, banging their Bibles. Uh, Screaming that it's, that's not true, right? Okay, so what? That, that's always going to be the case. I mean, we've got some knuckleheads running around who's claiming the earth is flat. I mean, who cares, right? I mean, yeah, there's going to be some... Who cares what they those people think? There's gonna, always going to be people like this. There's always going to be human beings like this. The rest of us, right, shouldn't be surprised at this. There should be no ontological shock. I mean, if you don't know it by now, I don't know again. Where have you been? 
Okay, and it says here, as we move forward on this path, we might be poised to enable extraordinary technological progress in a future where our civilization surpasses the current state of the art in propulsion, material science, energy production, and storage. The knowledge we stand to gain should spur us toward a more enlightened and sustainable future, one where collective curiosity is ignited and global cooperation becomes the norm rather than the exception. Well, that's very interesting. He has an interesting opening statement, uh, but I'm more interested in hearing questions asked to him and the answers that he gives. And I believe that's probably the case for everyone out there who's going to be paying attention to this. We're interested in questions that are asked and the answers that are given. Uh, That's what we're looking forward to. Uh, However, again, I fear that there's probably not going to be any physical evidence that will be provided and you're going to because of that this is not going to be the end game for this and that's why you know i i don't believe that this is going to constitute disclosure there have been some people scared away apparently uh who were set to speak during this hearing uh there was supposed to be six people uh, another whistleblower some somebody from nasa and somebody else uh they're not speaking now uh, apparently people in the pentagon got to them uh you know, I don't know what you want to call it. I guess scaring them, threatening them. Who knows exactly? I don't know. But, but we've been hearing things. Um, so I guess we'll have to see what happens. But again, it's a step forward. At the very least, it's a step forward. We're moving toward an end game. Uh, eventually, something needs to break here. This ice needs to crack. It's time. We need to move on as as a species we need to know the truth everyone needs to be aware of this what does the government have what has what have they been sitting on all this time uh there are multiple governments that have been involved in this cover-up over the decades there's no question in my mind about that uh it's it's not just the united states the united states and other countries or allies of the united states have been working together to cover this up there's no question in my mind about that uh put it this way again if they haven't if they haven't been studying this privately then we are in big trouble and that I, i know so that's why i that's one of the reasons i know for a fact that they're studying this they've been studying this privately for a long time and besides that there's been a lot of evidence that has been unearthed over the decades by different researchers to show that there is a cover-up and that they they are keeping this secret deliberately from people for various reasons we're not really sure what the exact reason is but they are trying to reverse engineer these things behind the scenes and uh it just it could be just a simple matter of that that could be their biggest reason the reverse engineering aspects to this they want to come up with something that were where they could basically take control of this planet uh, before other countries, perhaps uh, like China or Russia, come up with uh, some uh, development in the reverse engineering of these things and and take us over instead, I think that's probably what's been going on. Um, we it's time we, get, we that that shouldn't matter. We 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 need we need to know the truth. People need to know that we are not alone in this universe, right? There are other creatures out there that are intelligent and actually uh, obviously some of them are way more advanced than the human races and people need to be aware of that it doesn't matter who cares about the ontological shock uh yeah some people will freak but hey guess what they'll, they'll they were they've been freaking about the theory of evolution now for like over 100 years so let's just you know we, we need to get this out there already that should that should have nothing to do with this ontological shock well you know concerns about what our our enemies in the in the world think or will do if we come out with the truth or i who cares we the, the human race needs to know the truth already a lot of us we're just sick of this we're sick of this stupid cover-up we know that the people have been lying to us for decades and we want this to come to an end and this hearing is going to be 
this, this is one of the things that is going to finally get us to that point. Uh, do I believe uh, we're going to see irrefutable evidence tomorrow that's, that will be presented that will end it? No, I do not. I would love it. I would hope. I hope it happens, but uh, I don't think it's going to. Anyway, I will do a live stream on YouTube for this uh, tomorrow, and uh, at, at, I guess I'll probably be starting around 9.30 a.m. I believe, yes, the hearing starts at 10 a.m., so I will be uh, starting the live stream earlier and uh, probably about 15 minutes earlier. I'll probably have it set up there for 9.30, so if anybody wants to join me uh, tomorrow morning, I will be live streaming on YouTube, and then I will be also uploading it later on to Spotify. Anyway, uh, thank you for joining me today. Until next time.